Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. So let's get on with the show. Okay. Episode nine, I thought, Denise. I thought you were going to teach me something. I, I, um, as, as everybody listening, if you've listened before, you know that Martin and I learned in different schools of hypnosis, not just you know, di- different schools of thought, different ways of explaining it. Mm. And one of the ways he's, he's going to explain to me how he would explain to a client. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's the, cause we, we talk quite often, don't we, about, um, what we call the pre-talk. Um, mm-hmm. b- b- before we take our clients into that nice therapeutic trance, we we, we talk quite often on the program about the um, the pre-talk and what that involves, you know, um, positive hopes for the future and all that kind of thing. But we never really talk too much about trance, other than to say it's well, we give our own comparisons, don't we? Like it's like a daydream or yeah, therapeutic um, daydreaming. That's yeah, therapeutic daydreaming. And something that I learned about when I was studying hypnosis um, was something called the default mode network. I think it sounds, I like, I like the sound of it. I wish I'd heard of it before. Okay, come on, <laughs> teach, me, teach me what it is. All right, well, well for a kickoff, when you, when you, as soon as you say mode and network and things like that, you think computers, don't you? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, in a, in a nutshell, it's um, talking about... Marcus Rachel identified various parts of the brain which are sort of white hot in terms of being active when we're actually relaxing. People Mm -hmm. think our brains are resting. If we're lying back on the sofa and relaxing and sort of planning our future or thinking away, our brains are really, really active. Now, this, this is the sort of daydreamy thought. Yeah, daydreamy thoughts when it's so. If you're um, sitting, if you're sitting down on the couch and you're trying to remember everything that you've got to put in your suitcase, it's not that part of the brain. That's your conscious mind. Yeah, that's your conscious mind. Yeah, okay. this is the daydreamy part. It, it it said that they found a set of brain regions, including the medial prefrontal cortex, posterior cingulate cortex, and the precuneus, which I've never heard okay, of before. Now What's I'm that? Gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you put a. a, a, a a model of the brain in the show notes here. We'll so do that. that. We'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this, this, he found these, he the, hypnotized the, people under uh, a functional MRI. This is how he identified it or from EEG? Uh, functional MRI scans. Okay. They, were, they were looking at brain activity while people were performing a variety of tasks. As I say, they found that these brain regions were consistently active when people were not engaged in any specific task. Presumably, mm-hmm. they mean any specific physical task. But the the, the point they made was it's well, not. No, a... no, because if if you were if you had somebody do multiplication tables, that requires your conscious brain. Mm, yeah, probably two by two, but <laughs> most so that it wasn't necessarily physical. No, right. no, I. I Obviously, I'm reading notes here as well, but it says that the the work he did on um, the default mode network was groundbreaking 
and it's led to better understanding of how the brain works when we're not engaged in any specific task. Um, So it's when we are sort of planning for the future or we're daydreaming, that's the part that's active about things that are not related to the present moment. So in other words, you're not doing your multiplication tables or, um, you know, doing anything to do with the present moment. It's when we're daydreaming, when we're mentally rehearsing. And of course, that's similar to when we're in hypnosis, isn't it? Of course. That's why I call it therapeutic daydreaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with, with the odd suggestion from some voice that's coming at you. Mm. But um, it's interesting because actually when you've been daydreaming, similar to nighttime dreaming, when you rouse very quickly, you don't remember what you were thinking about. Mm, yeah. I mean, when we're in, in a proper daydream, when we, we really are completely zoned out of what's happening around us, even though our eyes can be wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to think back to when you sort of sit there with your, your head on your elbow and you're looking out of the window and you're not actually looking at what that view right. is. Your mind just completely drifts off to something else. And you, you or worse, really... it can be it can be when you're looking at somebody and you suddenly zone out on them. <laughs> Thinking more of like lecture halls when they're yeah. on. You've passed the fifty minutes when you can stay conscious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that happens a lot though, doesn't it, with people? Of course. Um, you know, in lecture halls especially, they, mm-hmm. they, they just drift off to, to another place completely. I can remember it at school. I can remember having the board yeah. duster thrown at me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. People, people know you're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but as I say, you, you, you could appear conscious. Your eyes are still open. We're mm-hmm. not talking about drifting off to sleep, are we? We're talking about when no, you. But it's that little daydreaming. What, what your brain's doing on your way there? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean that that's something. Um, like a, a a question that's been put to me before now is. Can you ever remember when you actually fall asleep? We don't do. We don't no. remember that moment. We can remember feeling sleepy and drifting off to sleep, but we don't right. remember falling Coming off to off. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also, of course, you get this really weird time tunnel thing where you feel like you've been tossing and turning for an hour and you look at the clock and it's 10 minutes. Yeah. Or, or you feel like you've been in bed for 10 minutes. How could it possibly, the alarm be possibly ringing now? But mm. yes, it is. Because it's been ages. Um, okay, so what else? That happens with hypnosis with your clients, though. When they, they, they lose never said to you time. that went, that was only five minutes, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was you know half an hour or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the guy over the bridge guy. Um, he he remembers talking to um, a friend. He reported back to me. He talked to his friend, and he said, "You were a long time." So no, what? And he looked at the clock. And said, "Oh, it's <laughs> 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 an hour." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I've had it before now. When somebody said to me, "Oh, that was quick. What was that?" And it was like, mm-hmm. "Do you know how long that was?" Yeah, that's. Uh, it must be another reason they they used to use pocket watches. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but I mean, that's the thing as well, though. When you bring somebody up out of hypnosis, if they've been in a really pleasant, dreamy trance, and you bring them up slowly, mm-hmm. um, do you count up? No, I, no. I, if if it's safe to do so, I just let them come back when they feel they don't have to be there pace. that long. Yeah, yeah. And I can just sit there and write my notes or you know <laughs> check my calendar, see what's coming next. Yeah. Most most of my clients I see online. I have one particular client I see physically at her mm. doctor's office, and she very often falls asleep 
because she is she is one of those people that's working three jobs and you know mm. it's just it's very easy to get her in but it's hard to keep her there without her falling on the other end. <laughs> well yeah i mean it's probably the only just, time she honestly, gets to switch off sleep is just as therapeutic i'm i'm, I'm not gonna just sleep that's very important but Oh, it's funny actually. I'm I'm writing about that in my next week's newspaper article about okay. sleep. Yeah, because it, it's you know we can survive longer without food than we can without sleep, can't we? True. So that tells you the importance of sleep. <laughs> so yeah, I'm right. I'm writing about that next week. Anyway, let me get back on topic. No, yes. I was just thinking when we bring somebody around from a nice hypnotic trance, mm -hmm. that's very different from when we wake up naturally and normally in the morning. Not mm -hmm. talking about when we've been woken up by a loud noise or we've woke up in the middle of the night, but when we wake up from hopefully a night of blissful and restful sleep, something wakes us up, doesn't it? We get a little right. surge of something. I, I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't have that voice in my head saying, no, I want to stay asleep, <laughs> which I do have when I'm being hypnotized. Yeah. It's such a lovely feeling. Mm. No, I'm, I'm just sort of emphasizing there's a big difference between coming around from hypnosis um again it's not the same as when you suddenly snap out of a daydream is it no that's usually very disorienting mm. if you've been if you realize that you've forgotten that the te teacher was talking to you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so but what i what intrigued me about this was the explanation of what the parts were in terms of business oh Which that you're, you're that, talking about the john rating metaphor yes exactly that i mean i didn't i forgotten of course that it was somebody else but I, both of those were very useful well yeah because it, it, you know when people come to see us Denise okay it's nice to give an explanation of how the mind works mm -hmm. um because I always say the more we understand about how our minds work the better able we are to help ourselves yeah however nobody comes for a biology lesson do they not really yeah, and metaphor I mean, is very useful. So. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, well, you, you can sit there spouting off all the big words about the parts of the brain all day long, um, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's not going to impress anybody, is it? Uh, you know, people don't want to come for a science lesson. They don't want to be bamboozled with information, but they, they need a clear understanding. So um, we we use what's called the John Ratey metaphor. And John Ratey, again, American, um, he wrote... <laughs> yeah. the, there are more of them than there are English. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wrote the book Spark. Um, okay. And it's something to do, okay, this is straight off the top of my head now, um, something to do with phys ed in schools in the Chicago area. He's the mm. one that devised different programs where pupils aren't um, in effect or students aren't in effect competing against each other. Okay different atmosphere. So you're competing against yourself. You're trying to improve your own right. personal best on things and the difference that made to people's mental attitude towards things. Mm -hmm. Cause let's face it. If you're not the physically fittest in the class, you may always be the last or in the last group, exactly. but uh, you could be twice as good as you were last week. Yeah, exactly. Still come in last. <laughs> and it was going from that angle. And he, he, yeah. um, like I say, I, I'm just paraphrasing what I can remember now. Um, but he devised these phys ed, things in schools in Chicago and I think it went nationwide in what you call public schools over there or what we call state schools aren't they yeah that's the big difference because in England a public school is a private school <laughs> yeah. yes why are you so impressed with Eton it's a public school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no so so the rating metaphor we explain to people about the 
the, the prefrontal cortex, we use the metaphor of a company, we say that's the CEO of the brain, the chief executive officer, for want of a better description. And then we talk about the anterior cingulate cortex, which of course nobody wants to know those big words, do they? So we just say the secretary of the brain, mm-hmm. um, who is responsible for monitoring the environment and alerting the CEO. And then we talk about the amygdala, which of course, you know, the primitive fight flight side of the brain. We talk about that as being head of security. So you use a little metaphor about a head mm-hmm. of security, a secretary and a CEO. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. Very handy. Yeah, it's, it's quite all right, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, we, we, and, you, and like the other bits, those are the bits that are doing this automatically. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Plus, I mean, there's far more bits to the brain than that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's all, that's all. It's a need to know basis, isn't it? You know, we, mm-hmm. Like I say, people don't come to us for science lessons, biology lessons. No, but it is reassuring to know there is science behind it. It's not well, Mm. you know, if you've read any of the preambles to this (laughs) podcast, no woo-woo, no, you know what? No BS. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I know what I always say to clients is I, I, I say, I can't read minds. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how you're feeling. Um, but I can tell you why you think the way you do and why you feel the way you do. <laughs> um, and once people have that understanding of how the mind works in simple terms, they immediately um, start to feel better because they understand mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, it feels controllable if yeah, you can that's understand it. something. Yeah. I, I knew you would articulate it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> all right so is did did you did this come to you when we were talking when we were interviewing the last we we pre-record some of our guests so, we so when, when we together. were recording next week's show yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> it suddenly came back to me because karen was my tutor um mm-hmm. and she used that metaphor all the time mm-hmm. um i i use different ones these days but that's the basic one um mm-hmm. you know we all I, I like to explain things in metaphors to people like there's another one the subconscious okay doesn't mm-hmm. exist you can't point no. to it on a picture of the brain can you we can point to all the other fancy words the anterior cingulate yes. cortex and all the rest of it but we can't point to the subconscious watch out i'll bring a brain say point to the bit it is um so again i use metaphors for that for the subconscious and mm-hmm. my favorite two are the crossword Mm-hmm. If we're looking for a crossword clue and we get stuck on an answer, we put the crossword down and we get on with our day and three hours later out of nowhere, because we weren't oh. consciously thinking about it or thinking yeah. about That's the answer. Exact, exactly what happens. Somebody, yeah. I, I had it a minute ago and then three hours later it comes to you when you're yeah. driving down the road. Yeah, mine's on something else different. completely and it'll just come out of nowhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example I use of the subconscious, i.e. anything the brain is doing that we're not consciously thinking about. Um, then the other one is more particularly to do with hypnosis and the subconscious. Um, what I like to describe to people is if they go and see a movie, okay, or, or watch one on television, something that you really enjoy and you're thinking about it afterwards, and then you, you put it to the back of your mind, and then later on in the week, out of nowhere, while you're getting on with your work or doing something else, out of nowhere, you 
start to replay little bits of the movie or perhaps change mm-hmm. the ending a little bit or or start to think about the you know gorgeous pink outfit somebody was wearing and mm, would that suit me or whatever um but you start to play little bits of it back and that's how i explain the type of hypnosis i do to people i say mm-hmm. you know we, we um we're, we're putting things there in your subconscious and it will keep replaying back to you later in the week and reminding you of all the um you know, the things that you wanted to achieve from hypnosis, basically. Which actually, although it's kind of a bizarre segue, I was talking to a a, a frequent flyer guy, a gentleman oh. I've working with, <laughs> been working with for several months, and um, successfully, but he he's um, come back to me with a oh, another different problem. issues, yeah. Yeah. And um he he has an issue about waking up and not mm. being able to get back to sleep. And one of the things that I suggest very strongly to people who have issues with sleep is to do what I call a brain dump before right. a, note, a notepad and a paper, a, a pen and paper next to your bed. And you write everything down before you go to sleep. Because that way, that piece of paper is going to remember it. You don't have to be thinking about it. And it works quite well yep. for most people. Mm. So, yeah. So you, you, you can tell it, you can direct your subconscious to do some things, yeah. <laughs> change the things it wants to do. Yeah. Because after all, that's why it exists. It is your comfort area. It is how to keep you safe. <laughs> you know, it, you won't forget to get up in the morning. You, you'll... It's your comfort area. I like that. And it's also a metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Your subconscious is your comfort area. I like that. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to use Unfor- that. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, that's also why people won't, you know, I'm miserable at this job. Oh, I might just be miserable in the next job. Why would I want to go through all the aggravation of finding a job and being just as miserable? Mm. Those, um, so, so you'd have to tweak those things a bit. But it, you're, you're right. You don't want to leave just for the sake of leaving. No. <laughs> you want to make sure you're making an improvement to things. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So when you say the comfort bit, is that the bit that you would wallow in then if you were on a downer? <laughs> well, or... <laughs> it might be. No, but comfort zone really is is the... Um, the most egregious, I think, that I, the use of it is when people won't leave abusive relationships mm. because the devil you know is safer than the devil you don't. Right, yeah, because, of course, we always perceive any kind of change as a threat, don't we? Exactly. That's that's why it's comfortable. It's, mm. I'm miserable, but I know exactly why, and I'm just fine now. I don't want to change it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you talk about an abusive relationship. There's two angles there, though, isn't there? There's one that somebody's just been ground that down. They've totally lost all faith in mm-hmm. themselves or self-esteem. But then there's the also, yeah, the fear of the unknown. Better this than what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the people who have been ground down and just don't have the energy to imagine no. anymore. No, no. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's, it's something that's acquired by habit. We, we mm-hmm. learn by repetition, don't we? Exactly. Um, good things and bad things, we learn by repetition. Um, they don't do the times tables in schools these days, do they? <laughs> they, don't do, they don't do longhand either. It's a very strange world I'm living in now. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can remember on a Monday morning, all of a sudden, you know, as soon as the teacher came in on a Monday morning, it was right, we're doing the eight times tables today. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's watching knows that we just float all over the place. Here's another thought. Do you ever hypnotize anybody who's from a different culture than you? Um, yeah. Assuming that their English is fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, okay. absolutely, I have. And, and from cultures where hypnosis may traditionally be very frowned upon. Um, You're talking about the Southeast Asian community? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a number of South Asian um, clients. Yeah. So what, what, not the issue, but how are they able to, to leave that prejudice against hypnosis to get to you? I is think, it being recommended by a doctor or is it some other? Um, I, I think it's just with a broad, broader base of knowledge whereby they are learning more things than the traditional methods, i.e. these people have been to college, university, etc. over here and they're perhaps more uh, so, open-minded to... So they also could be more English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially in, in the part of Lancashire where I live, there's a large south asian population but you're on to third and even fourth generation now right um you know the, the, these are people who are as local as i am basically <laughs> so so they're aware of the yeah they're, they're aware of all the different things that are available but, but don't necessarily choose to follow it yeah mm, interesting yeah. what what percentage of your uh, client base is is non-traditional english <laughs> I mean, there might there is a certain cultural difference between the yeah. south of England and the north. Too. Yeah, I mean, I'd say 10%. That's all. Only about okay. 10%. Um, you know, most of the clients I see are English. Interesting. Now, that well, that's an interesting one because I didn't think hypnotherapy would work particularly well with people to whom English is a second language. Yes. Because, of course, we're working with that subconscious, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And the language, even though somebody may be able to speak English perfectly well, if the language they ordinarily think in is a different language. Yeah. Well, there's a difference, I think, being bilingual and just having a spare language is different. Mm. If my husband was here for about two years, I think, I mean, he'd spoken English since he was a teenager, but mm. not necessarily correctly but you could usually understand what he was talking about. Mm. But there was, a, there was a sort of sea change in about two years when he started to dream in, in English. Yeah, he would, same with mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same, same with mine. Uh, so do you think the people need to be at that point of English that they... Well, I thought they would have to be. Is? I thought they would have to be, okay. But I had a couple of clients from another European country speaking a completely different language who could speak English quite well, but they certainly weren't at the level where they're thinking in that language or mm -hmm. dreaming in that language. And I said to them, well, you know, well, let's give it a go. Now, of course, you know, as well as I do, there's two parts to every hypnotherapy session. There's the pre-talk and then there's the mm -hmm. trance. So pre-talk, no problem. But I thought with the trance, are we going to be able to hit those notes that we hit with mm -hmm. our use of hypnotic language, you know, the double binds and all that kind of thing. Will it have the same effect? And yeah, absolutely it did. And I, I was surprised mm. um, because I, I thought you need more than just an understanding of the language for this to work. You know, you need to think in this language, but no, it worked, mm. it worked really well. And I, I was very surprised. And you use pretty much the same techniques that you would normally use. I used exactly the same techniques. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly the same techniques. Because um, I was worried, you know, we do say, don't we, in hypnotherapy, we need to sort of bypass that critical factor. We mm -hmm. don't want people to be sort of critically analysing everything as we're saying it to them. Right. We want them to be able to just float off nicely and so let it that's, be absorbed. That's what I thought. When I'm speaking Spanish, I'm sort of translating to yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. I'm Ex sure once 
once I've gone back into the show, we go on vacation and we're with family mm. and I've been speaking Spanish all day, mm. then I tend to turn that part off. But generally speaking, it is a conscious thing to mm. translate it. Yeah. Well, that was my point. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking with these particular people, if they've got to translate in their heads what I say as I'm saying it, how can they be hypnotized? Because, yeah. you know, hypnotism is about bypassing that critical factor and allowing the mind to switch <clears> off and drift <throat> off. But but it worked. It absolutely worked. Um, so that was something that, that surprised me. And I, I can't explain it because mm. um, it sort of seems to go against what we say about bypassing that critical factor and not yeah. paying too much attention. Um, you know, you need to drift off, don't you, when you're being hypnotized? I found somebody recently who asked me if, uh, for, for just says, was very interested in him. So I said, and I said to her, oh, I, well, I can't because I'm not from your country and it's a very different language. And so I went and found her, somebody who could hypnotize in her own language. Oh, yeah. And now I did myself out of a client. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's worth a try, isn't it? Next time you get an inquiry of somebody who's to whom English is a second language. Yeah, well, when I was practicing, some of my friends are um, uh, Farsi speaking mm. or Arabic, um, and they but they've been living here for a really long time. Mm. So that's that's interesting. Oh, I'll go quick if you haven't spoken to the other person, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely. She's also a, she's also a friend, and and I I do try and not to hypnotize my friends because I, I think there's there's a sort of mystique that that you want to have a certain amount of you know you certainly don't want to have i want them to feel they can tell me anything i know we know that we don't need to relive the stuff but if they need mm. to relive the stuff in order to get to where yeah they spe especially that first meeting <clears> I to tell yeah. you if something's been bothering them for 20 years they need to talk about it don't they right Right. Yeah. But then you don't want to, oh, I told Denise that thing. You know, mm. you, sometimes you need that separation. So. Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. We're, stick we're not to my system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with my memberships over here, I'm not allowed to treat family and friends mm -hmm. or close family and friends. Um, it's unethical. It's considered unethical. Yeah. Um, because, you know, somebody isn't going to be able to open up to you like they could to a stranger. Right. If, you know, if they with, have the, with, with some exceptions, I mean, I'd give people like, oh, listen to this audio, you fall asleep, you know, that sort of thing. It's oh, yeah. Great. I mean, I've, I've yeah. helped friends out when they're doing a presentation next week and they're a bit nervous or something. Yeah, right. absolutely. Of course I will. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm talking now when people come to us with personal issues that they want to help yeah. with. Um, you know, if, you know, if a family member said to me, I'm, I'm feeling depressed and I want to talk and this and that and the other. I'd want treatment. I, I would refer them on. Here's my here's my friend's card here. Yeah, here's <laughs> Denise's number. <laughs> okay, we've gone full circle again, haven't we? Yeah, and what we usually do, and that brings us to the end of another one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Martin and Denise blathering on again. <laughs> But no, do remember, actually, if you have a specific question, you can always write to us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or put something in the sh uh, in the comments below. I was going to say mm -hmm. in the show notes. That's my job. Yeah. In in the comments below. But next week, episode ten, we've got my ex tutor on Denise. I know, which is actually how how we got to this first topic of conversation. Yeah. But yes, it was lovely to meet her, and I'm really looking forward to people's reactions. Yeah. Next so week. tune in on the next one. That's Karen Dunnett. Um, or I wonder if it's Dunay, like Mrs. Bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should Karen, have asked. 
<laughs> no, it's Karen Dunnett. She's on um, next week with us. So I'll see you next week, Denise. Okay, dear. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.